Hey everyone, today we are continuing in our John devotional into chapters 18 and 19. And uh, first up today, we're going to hear from Rachel Price. If you were at one of our first two worship gatherings before we had to shut down, Rachel was leading worship for us. Uh, Our very first Sunday, she and her husband Luke have been around Door of Hope for years and years. Um, Wonderful people, and she has done a wonderful job on this devotional. So let's turn it over to Rachel. Hi, Door of Hope. This is Rachel Price. Um, just coming to spend some time with you guys in the Word. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm pretending that we're hanging out, <laughs> but I'm really alone in my basement. Um, yeah, I was uh, really honored and excited to be asked to talk about John 18, 33 through 40 as a part of our John series. Um, if you want to grab your Bibles or, or your phone and, and turn there with me now, I don't know how you guys are doing. I hope you're doing well. I've been, um, we've been doing pretty, pretty well. Luke and I, my husband, Luke, um, it's just the two of us and our cat and we have a, a small circle of people we've been seeing. Um, but yeah, it's been just kind of exhausting trying to think of, ways to help and ways to give and ways to just be in this new situation we're all in. So I'm just sending you love wherever you're at today and um, know that that the church loves you and that I love you and I'm just glad to be hanging out with you right now. Um, so let's read this passage together and um, just praying in my heart that God reveals something to us, maybe something unique to you. Uh, I'm going to read it aloud. You can follow along with me. This is NIV for me. Um, 18 verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. And that ends uh, chapter 18 of John for us. So... When I first um, looked over this passage with the intention to share it with you, I really didn't see the depth of it and all the convictions that it would bring my way and really the awe of Jesus and his character that it would inspire in my own heart. I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar, um, but I did find some interesting just kind of cross-referencing notes that I thought I would unpack and then... I want to just move on to 
what seems to be the meat of this passage, which is that Jesus claims to be king, that his kingdom is not of this world, and that he came to earth to bear witness to the truth. So just a few things that I thought were interesting. Verse 33, Pilate asked Jesus a question. He says, are you the king of the Jews? And in all of the um, other books, Jesus responds with, he just says, yes, it is as you say to that question in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And John has a different answer here from Jesus. This is just new, unique to John. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Now, I'm not sure, you know, why John, in the book of John, there's a different answer, but I thought that was worth pointing out as just a small detail. And another thing um, that I thought was interesting here is John really wants to let us know in this book compared to the other accounts that Pilate is extremely resistant to being the one responsible for putting Jesus to death for a lot of reasons, but I think one of them um, is fulfilling the prophecy of John that, you know, quote unquote, his own would not receive him, meaning that Jesus came, you know, as the king of the Jews to through the Jewish people to save the Jews, and they are the ones putting him to death. And the, you know, a leader of the Roman government is not wanting to do this. He's receiving Jesus um, better than his own people at this time. And so that fulfills the prophecy for us um, that Jesus' own would not receive him. Another um, little tidbit here was that uh, the Jews, they couldn't legally, well, they needed to legally bring a political charge against Jesus for the Romans to put him to death. So the Jews had to claim that Jesus had committed treason by saying that he himself was the king and not Caesar. Um, and that's another reason Pilate really didn't want to do this. It's actually not legal for the Romans to put someone to death for religious reasons. So they both kind of had to squirm to find a way to make this happen. And of course it had to happen and we're so glad that it did happen, but I find it interesting that, um, neither side was really comfortable legally with the way this was going down. Another thing, uh, that for me was a little convicting that I need to think about more. But so, so the Jews were outside, right? Pilate kept having to come out to talk to them because they couldn't come in. And that was because this was during um, the Passover. So the Jews weren't allowed inside. So Pilate had to come out to speak to them. And I just found this fascinating that the Jews are, you know, following the letter of the law so carefully here. They're staying outside and, you know, doing these um, Passover rituals, and they are putting God to death in the very same moment. Um, they're saying, don't give us Barabbas, give us Jesus, and they want him gone, all while being holy in the sense that they're um, doing the right thing legally uh, and, and observing Passover traditions. And I just thought, you know, I'm sure we could all think about ways in our lives where we're doing the quote unquote right thing. And, and in the same breath, even, um, we're doing something that deeply offends God, or maybe we're doing the right thing with the wrong heart. Um, 
doing something of service, but not for Jesus. Because Jesus claims here that the very reason for him being born and coming into the world was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's in verse 37. I just went down a bit of a trail here and went through John because there's so many, um, you know, prophecies and, and pointings to Jesus as the truth. Um, so I wanted to reference some of those scriptures. John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 17, for the law given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 5, 33, you sent John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Another uh, interesting thing here, I read in one of the commentaries I was looking at in uh, John 18, verse 38, Pilate asks, after Jesus claims that he came to testify to the truth, Pilate says, what is truth? With this, he went out again to the Jews. So he asked Jesus, he's standing in the presence of the truth, and he just kind of glibly leaves without waiting to hear what Jesus has to say. Um, and that's, it's pretty powerful. He's in the presence of, of actual truth incarnate, being able to say what is truth to truth, and he just kind of leaves. Um, <laughs> I thought, that's a bold move, Pilate. In 18, verse 37, he's really making three pretty big claims here. He is a king. And then earlier in verse 36, his kingdom is not of this world. And again in 37, that he came and was born to testify to the truth and that everyone on the side of truth listens to him. First on Jesus being the king and the kingdom of God not being of this world, I, when I hear the kingdom of God because uh, of Tim Mackey and our earlier Door of Hope days, I think of that Venn diagram with the circles overlapping and I'm just reminded of the possibility that with Jesus's death and resurrection, the kingdom has come um, to a certain extent and that we have the ability to bring the kingdom of God uh, here now. And, and there's these pockets of where Jesus uh, and his kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, and this broken world that we live in can overlap in really beautiful ways. Um, there's a lot of a lot of Tim speaking on that on YouTube if you want to check it out on the kingdom of God. Um, and Jesus, he spent so much of his life showing us the quote-unquote upside-down kingdom. Everything that we think as humans um, is, is good and right and important is just totally flipped on its head. Um, the meek, the poor are the ones who inherit the kingdom of heaven. The brokenhearted are lifted up. The last shall be first. We see a whole new order um, that, that Jesus is trying to communicate with us and, you know, um, with the disciples 
throughout John and throughout the New Testament. I think too of the Lord's Prayer. We're, we're praying as Jesus instructed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for that overlap. We're asking for part of the kingdom now. Especially reading this during this time of chaos, it makes me wonder how I can realign my mind to be seeking his kingdom first and acknowledging his lordship uh, over heaven and earth even now. And I think just even watching a beautiful sunset the other night, it was just like, man, he's here and he has it. He has this and he is still Lord and nothing is ever going to change that. And that is one thing we can, we can always stand on that. This is his domain. Um, and he is over this whole thing. However difficult right now, I found a sermon based on this and I just couldn't help myself. It was so beautiful. I have to share some of it with you today. It is called Jesus, the King of Truth, and it is on only John 18, verse 37, on one verse. It is 10 pages long. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, um, but I am going to share some highlights with you because I thought it was brilliant. And this is uh, Charles Spurgeon. It is from 1872. The first part of the Spurgeon sermon that I want to read from is about the kingdom of God. You remember Napoleon's saying, I have founded an empire by force and it has melted away. Jesus Christ established his kingdom by love and it stands to this day and will stand. That is the kingdom to which our Lord's word refers, the kingdom of spiritual truth in which Jesus reigns as Lord over those who are of the truth. He claimed to be a king and the truth which he revealed and of which he was the personification, is therefore the scepter of his empire. He rules by the force of truth over those hearts which feel the power of right and truth, and therefore willingly yield themselves to his guidance, believe his word, and are governed by his will. It is as a spiritual Lord that Christ claims sovereignty among men. He is king over minds that love him, trust him, and obey him, because they see in him the truth, which their souls pine for. Other kings rule our bodies, but Christ our souls. They govern by force, but he by the attractions of righteousness. Theirs is, to a great extent, a fictitious royalty, but his is true and finds its force in truth. So much then upon Christ's claims to be a king. And I just, I love that, that Christ is the king and his kingdom is established by love, uh, that it will always stand, and that the scepter of his empire is the truth which he revealed. Everything hangs on Christ being the truth and revealing the truth to us. And the other excerpt I wanted to read, this is in reference to, uh, again, verse 37 you say that I am a king, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. I guess personally I've never thought about the reason Christ was born was to bear witness to the truth, to testify the truth, and how important that is for us. I read a quote the other day that I just loved 
Um, do not be so open-minded that your brains fall out, which is Chesterton. I'm, I'm sure many of you have heard that before. But it just feels like we're constantly being um, so stretched to be more and more and more open-minded. And I sometimes think of, of having the truth as being more of a curse than it is a blessing. It is hard um, to have the truth and to live the truth and to be responsible for the truth. And nobody knows that uh, more than Jesus. To have the calling to bear witness to the truth um, is difficult. And I, I like a part of the sermon that I was talking about earlier. Um, it says, the age extols no virtue so much as liberality. If you believe anything and hold it firmly, all the dogs will bark at you. Let them bark. They will have done when they are tired. You are responsible to God and not to mortal men. Christ came into the world to bear witness to the truth, and he has sent you to do the same. Take care that you do it. And this, um, like I was saying, I wasn't really expecting this passage to convict me in the way that it did, but because we have been raised with Christ, because he died and rose again, and we're taking up our cross every day, also we were then born to bear witness to the truth. We have the truth with us in Jesus, and that is what we should be pointing to. That's what the Holy Spirit is pointing us to. This, this next portion uh, of 37, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Or uh, in another version I read, everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. I often, you know, I'm, I'm looking to hear God's voice and, and I'm looking to listen. And sometimes it's hard to decipher whether or not you are doing that, if you're listening or hearing uh, Christ. And this really beautiful passage that I'm just going to kind of wrap up here for us today is about hearing his voice. And I will confess, the first time I read through this portion, it, it uh, made me tear up a bit. Here we go. Those who love pure truth and know what Christ is will be sure to fall in love with him and hear his voice. Judge you then this day, brethren and sisters, whether you are of the truth or not. For if you love the truth, you know and obey the voice which calls you away from your old sins, from false refuges, from evil habits, from everything which is not after the Lord's mind. You have heard him in your conscience rebuking you for that of the false which remains in you, encouraging in you that of the true which is struggling there. This is my favorite part that I want to speak over you today. Immortal souls were not created for merely mortal ends. For this purpose I was born, that with my voice in this place and everywhere else I might bear witness to the truth. You acknowledge that, then I beg you, each one, to acknowledge that you have a similar mission. I could not occupy the pulpit, says one. Never mind that. Bear witness for the truth where you are and in your own sphere. Oh, waste no time or energy, but at once testify for Jesus. Um, there's not much more to say after that, I don't think. But I think we can 
lift one another up and pray for each other in this command to be the truth, to be a witness to the truth, just as Jesus did, thinking of him, you know, in pain on his way to the cross, suffering deeply in his heart, not wanting to be separated from God in front of Pilate, and to the very end, being the perfect witness to truth, saying this is the reason he was born, and saying that he is the king, and his kingdom is not of this world. He is speaking the truth to the very end, and we're to do the same. Um, Where we are, I love that, where we are in our own sphere. I think right now, where I am, where can I bear witness to the truth? And I'm hoping that God speaks to me in that and that he speaks to you all as well. So thanks for hanging out with me. And I can't wait to get back together again, to worship together, to sing together. Love you so much.